Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and today I have not only a smart person, but a sweet person. Uh, his name is John Louisus, and he is he has the world's most famous taffy. It's from a place called Zeno's. He started with three employees in 2003 in a small shop he is now selling nationwide. He is building on the legacy his family started in 1948. John, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much. You know, I, I love that introduction. And I'm sure when my friends listen to this, they're going to be wondering, when does a smart guest uh, come on the show? So uh, very happy to be here and uh, looking forward to speaking with you today, Rob. Yeah, no problem. So let's just start right with this. Okay. Can you talk to me about, is this a, is this a family business or at least you've been in the sweets business for a while? Let's talk about your backstory. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. So I like to tell everyone that Zeno's is the other family-owned business that started in Daytona Beach in 1948, the other one being NASCAR. Right. And the jury is out as to which is still more successful. One day we'll figure it out, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm a third-generation candy and ice cream maker. Uh, my great-uncle Thomas uh, opened the business in 1948, was a Greek immigrant. Uh, moved to Coney Island, learned how to make candy and all the other confections there. And then on one Christmas vacation to Daytona Beach where it was 85 degrees and it was 10 below zero in New York. He stayed here and he never went back. Uh, my dad then came from Greece in 1953, my dad Zeno. Uh, he then took over the business in 1963, had it uh, for 40 years, and then I took it over in 2003. And, you know, even though I was officially the boss and everything else, my dad had an adjacent gift shop to the candy shop still. So he would still manage to come in and like yell and tell all my team members what to do. And I'd get upset at them for listening to him. I'm like, he's not your boss. He's I'm your boss. And they're like, well, we're not afraid of you, Johnny. We're afraid of him. So uh, that's how I got into the business. Uh, I'm very lucky and fortunate to the fact that I love doing what I do. It's uh, I'm a creative type. So making different candies and sweets and ice creams and confections, uh, allows my creativity really to explode. And since then, uh, why the growth? I would say, uh, I've been asked this question before, and I would say the number one answer is, was fear because I'm a creature of habit and I don't really like change that much. But in 2004, Daytona Beach got hit with three back-to-back-to-back hurricanes. And I was content to live and work out of that little store the rest of my life. I'm a man of little means and I don't need lots of fancy things. But then I realized, you know, one day this might not be here. And mm. what would I do? Because I'm not good at anything else. And it's the best location. You know, we've been so blessed and lucky. That corner is the American dream. My dad said, one day I'm going to own that corner. And that was like, you know, it, it, it's, it's really an awesome story. Uh, lots of fun things to talk about him as well. Sure. But uh so when, when those hurricanes came, I was like, you know, we started looking at different ways to make money as well, just so I can, you know, keep providing for my family. I just got married to my wife, Christina, and uh, we opened another couple stores and then we started wholesaling and manufacturing. And then I realized the growth was the most fun part for me. Uh, and, and I think in any generational business where there's legacy or family owned, 
there has to be something for them to attain to. And my dad's, you know, I would say 10 out of 10 times. And my mom, you know, it's so funny. My mom is the brains and everything behind the scenes. Same with my wife, Christina. But my dad and I are more the face of the company. So sure. everyone thinks Johnny or Zena, of course. But uh, I forget where I was going with that. But the, the point being that uh, when we started doing the growing and all that other stuff, the growth is what excited me. Sure. And uh, as a single store operator, my dad would beat me 10 times out of 10. Uh, but when it came to growth, you know, I realized could these other stores we're up to, we're working on stores number eight or nine right now. They're not definite yet, but we're up to seven, okay. eight and nine. Hopefully with, at the end of the month, we'll be at nine stores. So uh, do I understand that if I was at that store every day, would it do maybe 10, 15% better every day if I was there sitting there? Yes. Sure. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, the more we spread out, uh, I can't be everywhere. So I've got to rely on my team. And my dad and mom had people that worked for them for 40 years, 40 plus years. I've had people along my side for 20 years, 10 years, five years. So we've been very lucky. We're up to almost 50 people now between all eight shops in the okay. factory. And I think, you know, everyone enjoys coming to work. Sure. I don't know. Like, you know, so right. uh, either you last two weeks or two or more years. We know pretty much if you're going to fit in pretty well. And ultimately at the end of the day, you could be a great employee, but I have to like you because I have to be there. There's no, you know, you're not going to ruin my day. Right. And for me not to like you, you really got to be an amazing human being. So uh, it, it works out pretty well. And sure enough, we've had a good run. Lots of failures, lots of mistakes, uh, stuff that I've learned along the way. Uh, you know, we're working on a deal right now and we might have to walk away. And the sure. hardest part of any deal is the walking away until you actually go through with the deal and it's not a good deal. So it's, we're, we're, th we're there now and we'll know by the end of the day, if this one deal is going through, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't care. And there's no one worse to negotiate with one is someone who cares too much <laughs> and someone who doesn't care. Like, you know, and th right. those are the worst people to negotiate. And like, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. like, if you can't do it, you know, Godspeed and God, you know, God bless. So. Sure. Okay. But that, that's it. Yep. So you've given me a, a lot to unpack there. And one of the okay. things I'll say is uh, we just had a guest on recently named Stephen Short, and he was all about, you know, creating a legacy with a family owned business and how you make sure that when you take that business and it goes from one generation to the next, that there is a, a transition. And it's super interesting because what he talked about it, exactly what you said that uh, your dad had the skills in startup and your dad had the skills in a single point of you know sale. Yeah. And then you've got a different skill set and a different vision that involves growth. And it, you know, I'm not real good at math, but here's what I, what I figured out. And that is 80% of seven locations is better than 110% yeah. of one location. Correct. Right. So, uh, so tell me when you when you first decided that okay we're going to start a second location what was that process like for you so we actually so daytona beach where we are on the boardwalk right when i got out of college is under threat of eminent domain so basically what that means to anyone who doesn't know is the city we're in disputes with the city as they were trying to give our property that we own to private developer 
like, you know, at a cheap rate so he could redevelop it the way he see fit. At the end of the day, we worked everything out and, you know, now we're like, we're the focus point of where we are mm. uh, located. We're right on the beach, Main Street and A1A, so, or Main Street and Ocean Avenue, excuse me. Uh, but my second story, my second store was one of my two, one, if I have two major failures, that was one of them. Okay. And what that taught me is I opened that store because I thought our store could be under threat of eminent domain and then I was going to lose it. So I kind of opened the store literally three or four blocks uh, away from the original shop uh, just to kind of have at least a presence if something ever happened to that location. And everything worked out fine. And the store, it didn't make money. So like, you know, no one wants to brag about all the money they lost. So we lost money at that shop and we lost time and resources. And at the end of the day, even if we broke even, we still wasted a lot of time and resources into the building. And what that taught me is as wonderful as I think my product is, as delicious as I think it is and all that other, the stuff that comes along with it, location, location, location. And, you know, I can't have the ego to put my product in the store. That's just not as good as uh, the location we have on the boardwalk. So that was like kind of a lesson learned in the sense that I kind of know where my stores have to be. All the Zeno's locations are in high door uh, tourist uh, walking like destination and foot traffic. We have one in St. George street and St. Augustine, which is very busy. Of course, the boardwalk in Daytona, John's pass and Madeira beach. Uh, and then we have our factory location as well that we open uh, minimally to the public, but it's more of a manufacturing ice cream facility. It's about 11,000 square feet, and that's where we make everything at. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, you know, my biggest mistake was the second store. And, you know, because of that second store, I kind of, you know, when opening new stores, it's like, you know, I, I have a somewhat of a formula I try to follow. Okay. So... It's an interesting formula that you have, and here's why. Because you're you're building up a customer base of transient people, right? Because your likelihood is that when you have somebody come in who's a tourist, they're gonna be there for a week or a you know, for a short period of time. They come in and they buy and they're not going to come back into the store. How do you capitalize on that? How do you take that to the next level and say, you know what? I'm not just looking to to make this a one-time purchase or where you come in during the week that you're here. I want to make you a Zeno's customer so that when you go home, you're still going to be a, a patron of Zeno's. So the Strahan stores, which we just uh, bought into about a year ago, they're more based towards local uh, residential. It's an ice cream shop, a family-owned ice cream shop that's been in business since 1999. They win best in Tampa Bay area ice cream all the year. So for us to take that over was just a, an awesome fit. It worked very well, kept the name, the brand, the recipes, everything the same. As for Zeno's, I love that you asked that question because, you know, our local newspaper, and I'm sure all home newspapers, they have like a best category, like, you know, best candy shop, best ice cream shop, best, you know, all that, best restaurant, all that other stuff. Now, if you go on TripAdvisor or any of those Yelp websites, if you Google best dessert in Daytona Beach or whatever, Zeno's is always number one. We were like the number one until they reconfigured the how they rate things. We were the number one place to eat, number one restaurant out of like, you know, 800 places. So that that's a benefit. That's a good thing because most of the people commenting on those websites are the tourists and the people that are, you know, visiting from out of town. Now, both the local newspaper, 
the other candy shops and ice cream shops, which are excellent, which are great, which are, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like them. I go with my families. Like, you know, I'm a big candy and ice cream guy, no matter what. We base all of our road trips on where there are good places to stop and get snacks. So uh, that's how we roll. But I always laugh when these newspaper articles come out and a business who doesn't do nearly the volume we do, who I don't, it's wonderful, but I just think ours is the best that they'll beat us because at the end of the day, locals do not come to that store. And uh, if you visited Daytona Beach on vacation, you have come to the boardwalk and seen our taffy machine pulling on the window. It's it's inevitable. If you've ever visited, oh yeah, I know exactly where that store is. Now, if I talk to someone that lives in Daytona Beach and I tell them we have the business on the court, they might remember, they're like, oh, we really don't go down to the board. Like, you know, and I right. wouldn't either because sure. I'm not dealing with traffic and parking and yep. all those other things that come yep. with it. So I am totally aware and susceptible, but we live in an awesome time now that everyone that leaves everything we own package bagging the 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 candy or individually wrapped taffy itself has our website on it sure so anyone that call and taffy ships fantastically well so does our fudge those are the two main things that we ship out and people are able to find this year round and that's just an amazing thing because if you have told me even 10 years that my wife christina would be packing 15 to 20 orders a day you know making a box and shipping them out that's incredible. Like, you know, it's still not where we need to be. We're still not even close to where we need to be. But the fact that the potential's there is something very awesome. And I love that question because locals, you know, it's funny if locals, like we don't cater to locals at all. And it's, and, but I totally understand why they don't want to come to yeah, park. Sure. You know, it's a nightmare. So, uh, but yep. the Strawhans locations, those are, you know, geared for people to come to parking lots and we have our own, you know, parking spaces and you can pull in and we can do events there and do all the fancy sure. uh, chocolates and desserts that we can't do at the boardwalk because no one's coming to, as we just discussed, no one's coming to the hundred degree boardwalk with humidity to come buy a box of chocolates. It's going to melt before they even get to the car. Right. But, you know, the other locations uh, serve us very well to deal with the locals. Yeah. And uh, the, the Strahan's locations are, they're not beachfront locations like that. No. They're, um, and they're in the place, you know, my full disclosure, my in-laws have a place down in Clearwater. And so you've got one in the Clearwater area that's across from one of the local malls, right? Um, you, people don't come to Florida to go to the mall. They come to Florida to go to the beach. The locals are the ones who are going to the mall because they need to buy the, the supplies right. and stuff that they need. So I, I love that as a, as a concept. L let me just, let me ask this because we're talking about saltwater taffy here. That, that's what you got. Yes. What makes it saltwater taffy? Because I, is it the only place I ever see saltwater taffy is at the beach? And Correct. is it is it because it's taffy that's sold beside the saltwater? Or is there a saltwater component to the actual recipe? So the as the story goes, uh, in Atlantic City, either the late 1800s, or early 1900s, uh, one of the saltwater taffy shops up there had a flood or like a mist of a sea sea storm came in and destroyed all of the inventory of taffy that he had at the present day. And the next day, a little girl comes in the store and she goes, could I please buy some taffy? He goes, well, I don't have any taffy. I've got saltwater taffy. And so the nickname has stuck since then. Now I believe it's very regional. Like, uh, 
in the Great Lake area, it might be freshwater taffy. In Gatlinburg, Tennessee, I believe they call it mountain taffy. So it's it, the, the name saltwater is because of what happened in Atlantic City. Now, of course, it is always uh, sold primarily on the on a coastal shore. That's where it's the most popular. You know, we tell everyone taffy was invented on the Jersey Shore, but perfected on the world's most famous beach, because that's what Daytona is. World's most famous taffy comes from the world's most famous beach. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, but true story, you'll, you'll, I think you'll appreciate this. So when I was younger, there was these uh, seven sisters who were family friends of ours. And all seven of them worked for my parents as, you know, they were in high school. And the three youngest ones babysat for me. So when they would start, my dad would, you know, because he had the Jason gift shop as well, he would send them out on their first day with a bucket, empty bucket, and tell them to go to the ocean and go get me salt water for the taffy. And he would tell them, you have to go uh, waist deep. You can't just get like, you know, your toes. So they would be like, for sure. And they're like, yeah, go, 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 go. So he would go and they'd come back with the, the bucket of salt water. Right. And then, he, you know, jokes on them. He would tell them, we don't, you know, that's a joke. But he would tell them, but you can't tell your sisters because I'm going to do it to them again <laughs> next year. So, you know, all girls kept their mouths shut. And, you know, it was like a tradition that like, you know, passed on. And uh, I don't know if he could do it nowadays, but like, you know, back then, and because, you know, they're great friends of ours and still are to this day, it was just uh, a funny thing to do. But no, some people do use salt, but no one actually uses salt water. Okay. Salt water. All right. So let me let me ask this as well, because um, we actually go to Ocean City, New Jersey on vacation sure. on a fairly regular basis. And sure. one of your competitors is there. I will give you props for this, okay? Because um, your marketing department is really smart. They sent me a box of taffy. Good. And uh, we got the taffy. I will, I will be upfront and say, I am, I don't eat sugar. So I did not partake. However, I did smell it and it yeah. smelled really good. My kids on the other hand, have no qualms about eating sugar. They tried it out uh, and they, they said that the flavor was more robust than your competitor in ocean city who I will not name. So congratulations on that much, but yeah. I do have a question this sure. We looked at your flavor card, to which is a genius move. The box came with a card in it that told you what all the different flavors are that are available. And the cool thing is we got the classic flavor box, which doesn't have all of the flavors, but having the, the card says, this is what else is available. Genius marketing move on your part. Uh, beer flavored saltwater taffy. Who came up with the idea? So uh, when we started, so when I took over, we started making ice cream and, you know, we, we were originally a small eight foot candy counter that had chocolate fudge and taffy. And then when I took over, my parents really set me up well uh, to where they partitioned the store and gave me a full blown candy and ice cream shop. And we were going to buy the ice cream, but then I realized, oh, wow, it's, you can make it too. And my dad was like, what do you know about making ice cream? And we had just literally left the ice cream shop where there was a 16-year-old making the ice cream. I'm like, well, if, if that kid can do it, I was like 22, 23 at the time. I go, I'm not that dumb. I'm like, you know, I'm sure I can do what something a 16-year-old can do. So uh, we started making the ice cream. And that's when we started uh, uh, increasing the flavorless of the saltwater taffy because I still, to this day, believe I'm the first to make pistachio taffy, cookies and cream taffy, cookie dough taffy. Uh, we have 101 now, which is 
the most in the United States, which is, I assume is the most in the world. I, I mean, I can't imagine someone else somewhere else to make a taffy, but when we started making the ice cream is when I got creative with the different taffy flavors as well. And uh, the beer taffy, you know, we make a beer, a Guinness beer ice cream with brownie pieces and uh, pretzels. And it's fantastic. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. Even if you're not a beer drinker, you would enjoy this. Okay. Uh, but the beer taffy and we have maple bacon as well. Both of those are more novelty just to kind of get you to go, well, that's weird. Like, you know, so when people come into the stores, we always offer samples. You're more than welcome to come in and try a piece. But when they go for beer or maple bacon, I panic because they're they're okay. They're not like, you know, I, I, thank you very much for the compliment you said before. And I agree with you. I think our taffy is top notch. Uh, but those two, I panic. And I tell everyone else, don't let them grab those two as a sample. Right. We tell them, put that in your pocket. Try one of these, like, you know, one of these right here. So sure. then they get, you know, one of the 20 more popular flavors that we have. And then they'll pick up, you know, three pounds, four pounds of candy. Okay. And, uh, you know, but I would say ultimately at the end of the day, I know exactly who you're talking about. Wonderful family, the owner, the, the not the original owner, but like the second owner who is like my dad's age. Uh, help me out, find someone with machines and stuff like that. It's a small circle. At the end of the day, you all know everybody. And, sure. uh, but I, I will, I agree with you, you know, and it's not us being, you, you just met me today. So you, you have no, nothing to gain by saying mine's better, but I've never had, I love all different ice creams. I love all different chocolates. I love all different fun, from different, every other candy company. Taffy is still the one thing I haven't had that it's as good as ours. And I understand opinions are all different, but this is what I really stand behind. And I really believe in it. It's all in the process and how we did it. Kind of discovered how we make taffy by mistake. Uh, we used to pull it traditionally uh, with our pullers in the window. That's how you get the Z in our logo and okay. everything else. Um, but now we whip it using like big Hobart mixers. It makes a much better product, fluffier. It intensifies the flavor. Your kids were spot on with exactly how they said it's uh, more robust. Uh, and then as people's palates have changed throughout the years, so has our taffy. It's not the same taffy you got 25 years ago. Nowadays, People want that more tart for the fruity flavors. They want it to hit them in the back of their teeth a little bit. So that's, and if kids are going to be the ones that we still want to eat and enjoy taffy, we have to make it to their profiles. And so that's why uh, at the end of the day, I'm a professional taste tester and I have to like it. Like, you know, and if I don't like it, you know, we can't. Now there's some flavors I just don't like. I don't like blackish. I don't like peppermint. Doesn't mean ours is not the best black licorice peppermint at the end of the day, I'm just not going to eat it. Sure. And there are candies that we do not make because I know other candy companies make it better than me. Mm. And I don't, for example, perfect example. And if you go to New Orleans or Charleston or Savannah, they're famous for their pralines or pralines. However, one was right. They are excellent. I won't make those in my store because I don't want you coming to my store, trying my praline saying, well, they're not as good as the other one. So maybe everything else they don't make is not as good either. And it, to me, I'd rather not make it and lose out on that sale, but know everything I have in there, I think is the best. Okay. And that's kind of where my philosophy is with that. Yeah. So let me, I want to point out two things that you said in there that I think entrepreneurs can learn from. Number one is, adapting to the current environment and that involves doing research so it sounds your your recipes today are not the same as they were when you started the store and the reason is that you are adapting them based on 
feedback and I'm cons I'm guessing consumer groups, I, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but, but you're trying to make sure that you are adapting to the environment. Uh, and the other piece is that you don't have to be the best at everything. Find out what what is your area and be the absolute best at that. And there are competitors out there who may be better at you than something in some area. Let them do their thing. You make sure that uh, it's kind of the five guys philosophy, right? Five guys, burgers and fries. Like we make burgers and fries. That's what we do. That's the list. When you come here, you're going to get an excellent burger and you're going to get excellent fries. We're not going any more than that because we just want to excel at what we do, which phenomenal. I, I, I got to tell you a quick, funny story because you were talking sure. about beer ice cream. Okay. Uh -huh. I, I was working in Pittsburgh and we've got a homemade ice cream place that was literally two blocks from where my office was. And we would go down with a couple of my coworkers after lunch at least once a week. Like and, in downtown Pittsburgh? Uh, or? In, in the Oakland section of Pittsburgh. So I had a buddy that had a restaurant on Penn Avenue, but go okay. ahead. So, <laughs> yep. So anyway, we would go down and one day we went down for ice cream and my, one of my coworkers like, they have ginger ale ice cream. Like I've got to try this. And so she tried it and she was like, it doesn't really have the ginger ale flavor that I was expecting. And then she burped and she said like, the aftertaste is kind of alcoholic. And we looked again and it was golden ale ice cream, not ginger ale ice cream. Oh, wow. So we were giving her a hard time that we were going to report it to our supervisor that she's, yeah. you know, just take a whiff of her breath because she's drinking on the job kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but excellent. You know, if I may, you know, I know this is for business people and entrepreneurs, but as a father, what a point that you just made that I kind of stressed with my kids is uh, I, I think a lot of time parents, when they kids bring home report cards, if they bring home six A's and a C, and but they try their hardest, what's the one grade parents always focus on? And it's a C. And I was, someone told me this, and it really opened my eyes. And I think this is what helped me in the business as well, is your little darlings, mine included, who are 14 and 10, aren't going to be better than average at lots of things in life. C means average. They're going to be below average and suck at lots of things as well. So if they try their hardest, there's nothing you can do about it. What do they get A's in? What do they love to get A's in? And you find that and you triple down and you double down. Now I'm hoping they both come with me and, you know, be the fourth generation candy makers. As sure. of right now, they're both interested. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want professional students. I've told them that myself. I'm the, I'm always the dumbest one in the room. That's why I think you and I are going to get along very well yep. because if I'm the smartest one in the room, I'm in the wrong room. So I always try to, I'm a very good team builder. If sure. someone had to say, why are you successful? I always try to be the worst player on the field, the worst musician in the band. Uh, the Cause I know if I'm the worst, then everyone else is like that much ahead of me and it just makes me better. And you know, weak, weakest, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I, I think I'm pretty strong. So yep. that works out. Well, no. And, and the idea of setting yourself as the baseline and just trying to find people who are better at you than everything. A genius idea. The other piece I will say, listen, I'm a person with a disability, right? I broke my, broke my neck when I was 21 years old. And what I've learned from that is nobody ever, achieved greatness by focusing on what they can't do. And that fits right in with your philosophy. Listen, John, thank you so much for being here. If people want to learn more about Zenos, like where can they find you on the web? Where can they order? Where can they get um, their preferably something along with their beer and maple bacon taffy? Yes. Yes. So 
they can find us online at worldsmostfamoustaffy.com. Like I mentioned before, we're on the world's most famous beach. So we named our product worldsmostfamoustaffy.com. Uh, you can get all of our saltwater taffy and fudge and different brittles and caramel corns on there. And then we also have four retail locations in Florida, as well as uh, uh, our Strahan's brand, which is a uh, uh, homemade ice cream and carrot cakes and key limes. We're actually working on a website to start shipping all that stuff as well. And personally, you can find me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of video posts of production and all the other fun stuff we do. I don't ever try to sell anything. I am just posting what it is we do. I'm blessed we live in a time where people can approach me because they like something that we're doing. But I am terrible at knocking on doors. I'd be broke and starving if I had to rely on my ability to go out door to door to try to sell things. Uh, but I'm John Zeno Luizas. You can find me there. And I got to tell you, this is very fun. And like, you know, I enjoyed this conversation very much so. And we're going to do a... A discount, which you will announce in your notes, yep. and twenty um, percent uh, off, and then we'll we'll figure that all out. Yep, um, there will be a discount code in the show notes, and John, very generous, twenty percent off your your order. So, um, everybody, I would encourage you to go ahead and take advantage of that. Uh, John, it is now time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend? Let's go. All right. So you've got two kids. What is your child's proudest achievement proudest achievement well I, I had a great talk with Zeno who I named after my father okay and uh when I was younger I'd be in these speech contests like oratorical festivals where you do public speaking and stuff and I I don't know if you could tell but I did pretty good at those and he started doing them when as now too but you know he didn't really put the same like you know enthusiasm into it uh, as I did and he did. He won the first round, but I told him, you know, I, I, I'd bury you if we were the same age right now. Like, you know, you'd have stand up chance. And I told him, I go, I didn't want to say anything to start it off with, but uh, because I just wanted you to do it. I was proud of him to do it because sure. anyone who goes out and speaks in public, that's a big deal. I, I, I love putting my children in an uncomfortable situation, actually, like, you know, because they, they, they live the charm life and it's the only way to grow. Right. And uh when I told him that, I go, I guess I'm going to just die knowing I'm the greatest Louisa's ever to live. And the look of panic on his, because he's my father's grandson. He right. is my, my dad's namesake and my son. And we're all kind of egomaniacs and narcissists. If I had to be a And he's like, no way. Like that. Like a, he starts studying these speed, like, you know, so he got out there and he like destroyed it. And I was so proud. Like he's, he, he want, like, you know, it, it was just such a fun ride. And it's something that I know it's going to take on the rest of his life. So uh, as for my oldest, that's it. And the younger one, he's just a great little soccer player. They're both, I'm very blessed. They're both right now good kids. I don't know what kind of adults they're going to be, but as of right now, I already know the younger one's going to be the trouble one. The older one's going to be okay. So that's where we're at with that one. Perfect. I, yeah. Do you like or dislike surprises? I uh, I think I've, I've never personally, you know, I always tell my wife, I don't think you could ever surprise me with a, like a party or something like that. Like I'm always baffled by how people, cause someone's always going to spill the beans and like, you know, I can put two and two together. If someone's trying to, I love great surprises, but if I had to live in a world of surprises or no surprises to me, the bad surprises always outweigh the good surprises. So I'd rather have no surprises at all if I if I had to guess. Now, good surprises, 
surprise me every day. I love, like, you know, I love it. My wife probably leave me if I decide to ever surprise. She hates being the focus of attention. I love it. So that's why we make such a good team. But, you know, if I had to pick the bad surprises with the good surprises, just get rid of the surprises and let me just live my own life. All right. So you, I want to go back to something that you mentioned during the conversation. You said when you go on road trips, your road trips center around food. So this is your chance to plug somebody else. When you're, what is the most memorable food stop that you have ever made on one of your family vacations? So when my youngest son was about two years old, we had to pull over for a potty break, and uh, we were we were a half hour from my uh, my buddy that lived in Pittsburgh. He moved, married a girl in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So they're like in the Lidditz area. So we were visiting up to them. And we just pulled off on some random exit uh, to uh, go use the bathroom. But we passed this like place that is called Maple Donuts. And it looked like a, like a regular donut stand. But I'm like, Maple Donuts? Like, you know, oh, my goodness, sounds amazing. So we weren't really going to go. But then we saw that the gas station was selling Maple Donuts as well. And we're like, wow, that might be like a, like a legit place. Like, yeah, so we pull in. And it's a, it was a legit factory. It was probably 20,000 square feet with a little, like, you know, store, uh, a storefront. And I walked into the place and it was the most amazing donut display I'd ever seen. The donuts to this day are my favorite. Donut. Like we purposely drive, we, we come to their house with donuts they can get every day, but like, you know, we, we get them more for us. And I'll never forget, and it's true to this day, the box must weigh, a dozen donuts must weigh 10 pounds i mean like you know each donut's a pound and the lady and i only had a 20 on me i didn't think you know a dozen donuts like you know how much it's going to cost and as she's putting the donuts i'm like i didn't bring enough money into it and it was like eight dollars like you know it was like something like ridiculously like inexpensive but i've got to give them that was that by far the most memorable stop of a food find that we ever had that we still go to and everyone up in that town makes fun of us that we're the only ones that go like you know make go out of our way to go there when it's only 25 minutes from their house that's hilarious well you know what i'm gonna see if i can find a link for maple donuts and i'll put it in the show notes as well listen John Louise says, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you sharing. You are indeed a smart person. And to all my listeners, I will remind you that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.